This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria, with my co-host, Heidi. Hi, Heidi. Hey, Mom. How I guess I you? should have said your doctor, Heidi. I'm sorry about that. I had a mental I am lapse Dr. There. Heidi. I work, my, I work my butt off to get that PhD <laughs> dissertation defended. <laughs> oh, so how are things in uh, New York? Are you in your office? I am. I'm in my office on West 72nd, and things are going. Things are going well. It's fall here, uh, September 13th, and fall is an amazing time of year in New York. It is definitely the time of year to come here. I love autumn in New York. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's very pretty. Yeah. But, of course, for some folks out there, if they've had a loss, the fall can kind of feel like, um, you know, can be good or not. You know, some people, the mm-hmm. spring is depressing, and some people, the fall gets depressing or you know, whatever, the kids are back in school and sometimes it feels good to have them back and sometimes, you know, you've got the empty house or activities that you used to do with your spouse are no longer there or, you know, things that you did with your parent. So, yeah, it can be. It's... Well, and it also can also depend on anniversary dates. Mm-hmm. I mean, my brother died, your son, I mean, Scott died in April, so spring is can be difficult for, at least initially it was difficult for me, so that also kind of factors into it. I agree with you, Mom. Just because the weather's nice doesn't mean our lives are good. Exactly. You know, it de- <laughs> so. But we but we do want to say as we go into the fall, do try to get some light. And we've even mm-hmm, talked about absolutely. Uh, getting lights that produce, na- you know, you can buy lights that actually make some natural light because uh, light's been found to kind of people lift people's spirits. So, well, Heidi, we've got a great show today. I'm excited about it because I really like to have um, – Guy, get a guy's point of view, and sometimes we don't always get that. And we've talked to, before about um, men grieving differently, so I'm going to be very interested in this. Do you want to introduce Gerald? Sure, I'd love to. Um, we're going to talk today, like my mom said, about spouse loss and repairing your life. And our guest is Gerald Schaefer. Gerald lost his wife to breast cancer and was a single parent with two young sons. He has been a large capital project manager and has a chemical engineering degree from the University of Wisconsin. And he is the author of The Widower's Toolbox, Repairing Your Life After Losing Your Spouse. Welcome to the show, Jerry. Hi, ladies. It's a pleasure to be here. It's great to have you on. And first of all, I want to say that I'm very sorry about the death of your wife. And how long has it been? Well, it'll be six years this June. Uh-huh. So. And and how old were your boys when she died? Uh, 16 and 12. Okay. Wow. So the 12-year-old is now 18. Uh, right, and he'll be going off to college this fall, and uh, and my oldest, who uh, is 21, uh, had gone away to school and then returned uh, to get into a nursing program here locally, so now I, one's moving out one moved back. Oh, wow. I was going to say you're going to be an empty nester, but you're not. <laughs> Right. You're going to be a, re- a re-nester. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. But as long as he's making progress, that's good. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, talk to us a little bit about how it was to be a single dad and what the challenges are are out there. Well, I think uh, the the first thing that comes to mind is, uh, uh, at least from the the man's perspective, 
you really don't realize uh, what uh, a wife really does for you and your children until they're gone. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I thought, um, you know, I, I can hear Terry uh, laughing up in heaven here right now because as I say this, uh, I always thought we had like a pretty well-balanced uh, relationship in terms of workload. Uh, but uh, I, I quickly found out that, uh, as they say, uh, uh, a woman's work is never done, so to speak, and uh, doing the laundry every day, doing the, the <laughs> meal planning, doing the uh, helping the kids uh, you know, get ready for school and helping them with school projects, Boy Scouts, all sorts of things. You just don't realize how much they really hold the family together until they're gone. Wow. How did you handle all that? What did you do? Wow. Uh, it, yeah, it was uh, uh, kind of uh, it was a, a significant shock. But you know, I was I think better prepared than most. Uh, in a strange way, uh, when uh, you know Terry was battling cancer for uh, quite a while, you know, it was a total of like four four and a half years. Wow. So when she was pronounced terminal, I still had a year, you know, to prepare for this day. And, uh, you know, I, I can't imagine what it would have been like had she gotten killed in a car accident or something where you're just totally unprepared for it. Uh, but after, after she did, at, towards the end, we were doing a lot of planning, which really helped. Uh, everything from funeral arrangements to, uh, you know, what were we going to do with some of her personal belongings. And so that really helped out a lot because I kind of feel I was fulfilling promises made to her. Uh, but, mm-hmm. um, even even though um, uh, the day they're gone, you know, it's it's a rude awakening, and um, you know the just something like simple as meal planning. Um, one of the things I write about in the book is uh, just uh, problem solving, just getting something that works for you, even if it's if it's kind of running with a, a, a clink in the gears, if you will. Uh, I would I was a I've always been a really good cook. I always enjoyed it. But she did always the grocery shopping. And um, so when I went to the grocery stores, that first couple of months was just horrific in terms of just going down the aisles, just throwing stuff in the cart, getting home, and then realizing you didn't buy half the ingredients you needed to make something that I knew how to make. It was really crazy. And so finally I just said, I got to, being the engineer that I am, I had to get a system that worked. And so uh, I quickly developed a, a little, like, shopping list technique that I outline in the book and uh, I basically do menu planning and I only buy what I need and then that way um, uh, I don't miss anything and I can do a week's worth of shopping in like 40 minutes. And well, <laughs> well how, how was it uh, getting back to those first times at the store? How was it just being in the store with people and having them look at you? I just remember people looking at me across the yeah. produce counter because everybody's task oriented and kind of running the other way. Yeah, it, uh, you know, and especially when you got little kids in tow, you know, uh, fortunately, my, my oldest boy was old enough where he could stay home and watch my younger one at, at age 12, so I could go by myself, but if it was with little kids, I can't imagine what they would be like, but even still, um, you're, you're it, when you walk into that grocery store and you're doing, whether it's the grocery shopping or laundry or going to a school meeting about something, um you're reminded that you're doing it alone uh, and that somebody else used to really, you know, take the lead on this. And so just that reminder, like you said, um, you know, buying something uh, that normally she would have purchased, and it can be that reminder for, 
for quite a while. Uh, didn't didn't women want to come to your aid, Heidi? Who is it that has a million million hits on his blog? I can't think of Matt Matt Longren. Is that it? Yeah. Do you know Matt Longren? Have you ever heard of I, him? I do. I, I do not, uh, but uh, women uh, do uh, uh, come to their aid uh, of of men. Uh, they're very, um, I think, caring. And women—that's one of the major differences between men and women uh, in in a grief process. Women are very much more networked, just in mm-hmm. life in general. Uh, they they have a lot of uh, friends that you know they'll do activities together. And yeah, men will do their hunting or whatever, with or trap shooting or something with, with their guy friends. But for the most part, guys pretty much stay closer to the family. And uh, yeah. and when that breaks down, they don't have very many places to go and reach out. And and it's not in our genetic code uh, to do uh, the reaching out. Uh, you know, we're raised uh, as Tom Becker's, uh, my uh, co-author has uh, brought uh, to the fold uh, a, a professional viewpoint on the toolbox. Uh, he points it out very clearly that um, you know men are, are raised as, as young boys that big boys don't cry, and you know suck it up and get to work and and dry your tears and get your your, your life together. Yeah, so, suck so, it up. I heard someone talking about a guy Eric Beckel actually on on the Five, and he said, "Yeah, you know what happens with guys? They a girl breaks up with them, and they say, great, that's great. I'm going to go to the gym, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and then they go down in the basement and cry.'" That's right. That's very true. Very true. Yeah, and, and, and they don't want to. They don't want to reveal uh, that that they're hurting. And uh, so mm-hmm. when women come over and bring a dish over, or whatever, it can be very, very well received uh, because men will typically not ask for help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had uh, one of the people on the show, uh, Abel Keo, whose wife uh, actually died by suicide. Um, he decided that he was going to build a house, you know, bought a, a an apartment. Uh, they had looked at a house, and it was an old rundown house, and so he went ahead and bought it, and his friends helped him uh, get it together for a year. Went over and just helped him repair the house. And I thought that was kind of a guy thing, isn't it? Yeah, you really got to, uh, you know, surround yourself with activities. Uh, men really feel the need to be needed. Um, you know, again, we're conditioned to be breadwinners. We're conditioned to always be the problem solvers. And, you know, uh, losing a spouse, you know, that's a big problem. And so we, we, we scratch around and we search and we try to find the quick fix to feeling better and, and getting our lives back right again. And one of the, the uh, as a matter of fact, uh, a major section of our book is, is talking about how you can heal from within through giving back to others and making yourself useful to other people in need. So uh, we, we highly re- recommend to uh, be busy. Yeah. Now tell me about the boys. Did they say, oh, come on, Dad, ever, or yeah, Dad, or roll their eyes, or anything like that with what you were doing? No, not really. Uh, you know, um, you know, I got to admit that having two kids, I think, really kept me focused uh, during the course of, uh, you know, a day. Um, you know, work all day, then come home, and then, um, you know, meet their needs, you know, do do all the household chores, like I say, the, the cooking, helping out with the homework, and we were, I have, my two sons are, uh, they are both now Eagle Scouts, so we were very active in Boy Scouts. So it was just being involved for them, you know, and it kept me busy. And that in itself, I think, was therapeutic, uh, because, uh, as I did say to my boys, you know, it's, you know, the classic line, failure's not an option. 
you know, uh, <laughs> we, I, mm-hmm. I, I did sit him down. I did sit him down, and I said, you know, um, mom's gone. Uh, cancer, you know, kind of blew up a bit major portion of her family, but we can't let it win, you know. I love that. I, I love that. Yeah. That is so important, Jerry. I mean, I am always talking to parents about the fact that that message is we are in this together. We are going to get through this together. We are a team, and we are strong, and we're there for each other. I love yeah. that you said that to the boys. I think that's a powerful message. Yeah, and, and I, I, I'm, I think one thing that needs to be said is it, it really, really surprised me how resilient my sons were at such a young age. I was so worried that, you know, they were going to, like, go off the deep end, get in with the wrong kinds of kids at school, and, you know, get into drugs. And all of that goes through your head, you know. And, mm-hmm. and one, one of the things that uh, I was reminding myself, just because I'm only a single parent doesn't mean I have to be twice as hard to make up for two parents, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to stay involved. You just, you, you know, you can't, uh, you can't let them out on their own island. But uh, they really surprised me as to how resilient they were. Uh, they just totally blew me away. And counselors had told me this early on in the grief process. I had, um, my employer had sent me to EAP, you know, because I was taking a, an extended leave. I wasn't going to go back to work because Terry died in the middle of summer. And I wasn't going to leave my kids home alone while I worked. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. in that process, I was talking to an EAP counselor, and she had mentioned to me that uh, they would surprise me, and I didn't believe it for one minute, And uh, but I have to say she was right. Wow. That's that's a wonderful thought. Well, talk to us about writing the uh, toolbox. Have you ever written anything before, and uh, uh, how did you decide to do it? Uh, you know, uh, very interesting. Uh, I've always enjoyed reading and uh, used to fool around with uh, poetry and haikus and stuff like that. Um, but um, uh, the idea of the book came to me because uh, soon after uh, Terry's death, uh, a work associate of mine, his wife was diagnosed as being terminally ill with breast cancer as well. And so I said, we got to go to lunch. And so when we went to lunch, I, I found myself, uh, actually before I went to lunch, I jotted some notes down because I really wanted to give him some core things to think about because Time was of the essence, and uh, I really wanted to impress upon him some of the things that he needed to think through before she was gone. And mm-hmm. um, and as I was sharing that uh, lunch conversation with him, it occurred to me that there's probably other people that really could benefit from the path that I walked. And if I could just make that path a little bit easier for somebody else, how helpful that would have been had I known about that. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, I started jotting down some ideas, and no, no sooner than I'm trying to help Scott, uh, sure enough, another uh, associate of mine, his wife was diagnosed. Another gentleman of mine uh, that I've known, all, the, all these guys through work, um, uh, his wife had died of a heart attack, and within inside of like nine months, I knew three guys that had lost their wives. Wow. And Yes, and so... Um, at the time, I was doing some just day trip travel around the northeast Wisconsin area here, and I found myself just jo- uh, uh, getting a lot of windshield time and uh, digitally recording these ideas uh, while I drove. And then the next thing I knew, I had an outline for a book, and then I, I just threw down a manuscript, and it was my healing process for my grief of losing Terry. 
mm-hmm. and and I just poured all of these ideas. And I, to be honest with you, uh, the book wrote itself. Wow. It was just things that I would say to somebody if they were sitting across from me at, in my living room. Those are the best books, the ones that you've got in your head before you put them down on, on paper, for sure. So uh, who did your website? I, I will have to say to everyone out there, if you haven't lost a, lost a spouse, you really should go to the Widow's Toolbox anyway, the Widower's Toolbox anyway, because it's so interesting. It is a toolbox there, and you hit on it. It's very cool. Who did that? Did you do it? I did it. I Good did for it. you. Uh, it's, I, I thought maybe. I never built a website. <laughs> I, had, I had zero experience doing it, and it was very, very easy to do, and it was a lot of fun. Tell people how to get there, because it, you really got to go see it. Sure. Sure. It's www.widowerstoolbox.com all one word, widowerstoolbox.com. And we have links there on where you can go to buy the book. We have other resources. We have links to other areas that can help men and anyone in grief for that matter. A lot of women have bought my book and have commented and sent me emails. You can send me an email up through that website if you have any questions about anything. You can also visit us on Facebook. Uh, Our Facebook name is Widowers uh, Toolbox, just two words, Widowers Toolbox. And uh, come be a friend uh, uh, there. And we have, uh, unfortunately, a lot of people that are either widows or widowers. And um, lots of advice is shared in between our friends. And there's a lot of links there as well. Uh, All right. support you through your grief. That's great. Well, one of the things we've been told, and we'll, and we'll kind of uh, end on that, but I uh, thought also if you've got a, something you want to leave us with, but I just wanted to ask you about one thing. Heidi and I were told this, and I thought it was kind of interesting. I just want to throw it off and see if, if it uh, strikes a t- note for you, that men grieve shoulder to shoulder and women grieve face to face. You know, uh, that's an interesting comment. I had never heard that before, but I think that's true. Um, you know, uh, boy, uh, I've ha- in the book, I've interviewed eight men that have lost uh, their wives, and they all have some uh, quotable quotes that just really, I think, hit it right to the heart. And, and if you ask a, a man who's grieving, you know, uh, he might not at first really want to talk about it, but you just touch one subject that's really important to him and the floodgates will open. And uh, it really was an interesting experience to hear what these guys had to say. But what I, when I sign a book, um, I all, and if I don't know the person and I don't really want, uh, have something personal to tell them, uh, what I'll put in there is um, make the best of what life brings you because uh, in a strange way, uh, I believe everything happens for a reason. I believe uh, uh, Terry's loss was an impetus for me to write this book so that I can help other people on this planet. And um, I would have never written a book had um, this not happened to me. And and we, we're all over the world with this book, in Japan, in uh, India, in, in Europe, in Australia, New Zealand. Uh, and I can't even, I would have never fathomed how many people were helping here that I never will meet, uh, all because of Terry's death. And at the end of the day, something really wonderful has happened uh, to help other people with Terry's death. And and it's just so just my word out to anybody that's grieving, uh, man or woman, is uh, is to just make the best of what life brings you because there's a, a message in here for you. Oh, Jerry, thank you. That's a wonderful ending, and thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. I much appreciate it. Thanks, Terry. Take care. Bye-bye. 
Well, Heidi, you know, what I had to think of when uh, we were talking to Jerry at the end is that Albert Einstein quote, you can only live uh, one of one way, and that is that nothing's a miracle, and that is, uh, or that everything's a miracle. And it sounds like Jerry, as with us, um, feels that everything's a miracle. Absolutely, and I love, Mom, how he says, make the best of what life brings you. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, it's time to close the show now, and we thank you for tuning in today. We hope you'll visit us on Facebook and come and visit us on our Open to Hope website, listen to some of our past radio shows. And we also want to ask you to please tell other people about our show, because remember, there are those people who are out there uh, who really need it, and we're, you can listen to us in those wee hours of the night, 24 hours a day, read our articles, look at our YouTubes. So please tell everybody and spread the word because together we can change the world. Thank you, Dr. Gloria. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.